This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Who would have ever thunk it? (laughs) Who could guess? If I wrote it up in Hollywood, you wouldn't believe it. But here we are. 13 years later, I'm back in the studio with Irv Gotti. I'm older, wiser, more mature. But it takes you right back to that moment of the last time I was in the studio. And they wouldn't even let me play more than 10 seconds of one of my songs. This time I have about a seven-piece on me. Same confidence, same attitude. Pick whatever door you want. Because this time, it's going to be different. And he picked the first door. And I played the first song. And damn it, you have got to be kidding me. You know what happened? You damn right you gotta wait. Welcome to In The Moment. I'm in the moment. Stay in the moment. Yeah, hey, look, check. I'm in the moment. They try to hold me down. I just free up. It's a moment and everything and everything is a moment. I talk about the comedy and it all. This is your first time. Welcome to the funniest podcast you have never heard. Your new favorite comedian, Mo Mitchell, your money back. Shout out to all my regular listeners and my new listeners. Episode 81, part four. The finale. The conclusion. Anybody watch Cheetahs? The conclusion. It'd be a whole different person on the conclusion of Cheetahs, don't it? They'd be mad, cursing the whole episode. Fuck you, bitch. That's the last time you're going to have The conclusion, what they sound like. You know, Susie was a really good woman to me, man. I feel like I just... <laughs> like drink champs. They'd be different in the end than they were in the beginning, boy. It's a whole nother ball game. But we ain't here to talk about anybody else during my journey. We're here to talk about me. So I told that first joke at the comedy special, and people erupted. And once again, it was that moment of I knew I had the room. And it ain't nothing like knowing you have the room in a place that's sold out full of people who are there to see you. You got to remember, I was used to the crowd who didn't know who the hell I was. Half the crowd knew, half the crowd wasn't sure. This was different. This is a crowd where everybody is there to see and support you. That's a different kind of show. Different kind of energy. I didn't know that yet. Found out that night. And my love for comedy grew. It grew. And I knew it was on. I knew it was on. That was around the time I started also doing the astrology videos that began to go viral. I was getting some traction with that. And it was working. Finally. I remember sitting on that bench with Ashley thinking to myself, damn, man. 
When is my time come? come? When am I going to get a chance? And Chance the Comedian was here. Chance the Rapper stole my swag. And I've had a lot of great shows. A lot of wonderful specials. A lot of wonderful times. But that will probably always be the best. It was the first. It's like when artists try to recreate that first album. You just can't, man. Sometimes that hunger that you felt at that time. As much as you prepared because of how afraid you were or unsure you were or the doubt you had, all of those different factors, being broke, it all plays into it. And I had the show of a lifetime. It was incredible. We got it on video. It's something I'll have and I'll always cherish. It's, it's great. And that pushed me into going into the direction of where I landed right here in this moment with you telling you about all of my moments. That special led to me having another special in which it's, it's funny because Spruce was somehow connected to a lot of different people who were connected to people who were connected to the Burt Show. <laughs> and eventually, some of, the things that I were do- some of the things that I was doing got into Burt's hand, and eventually some of the things that I was doing got to Burt. He enjoyed it. And he wanted to give me a shot, so I flew out. I had a special the next day, but I flew out. I met Bert. He was late, <laughs> which was great. Worked out for me because I was late too. But when you late and they later, you on time. And we met at the bar, and I just... I've told this story on stage a lot. I don't think I ever told it on my podcast, but no one knew how much of a starving and struggling artist I really was at that time. Because iHeart had actually fired me on Valentine's Day. At that, on a day that's known for a heart. You know no fucking heart? Fired me on Valentine's Day for nothing. I ain't do nothing. They fired me. Called me in the office. It's four of them sitting there. My naive ass thinks I'm about to get a, a promotion or a raise. Because I had sat in that mailroom and trained people and I was patient. I was waiting to get promoted and it never happened. They brought somebody else into the mailroom who wasn't there half the time. I was there and promoted him. I was pissed. Started to feel like it was some racial things going on. I didn't know what was really happening because I was a great worker as far as I knew. Had one issue. And I should have known my days were numbered from there. I asked for a promotion. I'd been there three, three years at a time, three and some change. Did my job to the best of my ability. Wanted more. But I didn't really want to leave because of my connection to the Breakfast Club and to all of the things that I kind of now was going into the direction of doing. And it's funny how life works out. Because there was a guy there that I worked with at the time. That was my man. Shout out to Ant. Me and Ant was mad cool. He worked on the engineering side of things. We ate lunch together every day. We kicked it. Real funny guy. We had great times. And then eventually the things would go really dark. To no fault of ours. But there was another guy there who... You could say it was in the circle. 
We were somewhat of the three musketeers. The only difference was we never ate lunch with the other guy because he always did his own thing. He was, he was never there. So every once in a while, we would have some free food come in, and it would be a very long line to get the free food because even people with money like free food. And this one particular day, the line was stupid long. And me working in the mailroom, I was fly with a lot of people, and I had to kind of bring the food up sometime. So they would give me my little benefits, you know, which was you can go to the front of the line, which is what I did. And me thinking about my guy, Ant, who was always in the back of the line, I just grabbed him a plate. So as I'm going back to the line with the two plates, the other guy sees me and he's like, yo, you only going to get Ant a plate? And I was like, yo, first of all, only got two hands. You can only carry two plates. I haven't really been much of a waiter since I was in college. And even then, it wasn't that great. So... I wasn't exactly sure why he was barking on me like that. Like, he was a little too confident in his, yo, you ain't get me a plate? Like, we was dating. Like, yo, what? And ultimately, like I said, he didn't eat lunch with us. So I saw no reason to get him a plate. We don't eat lunch together. I'm getting Ant this plate because we about to go to the same spot, sit down, and kick it. It wasn't like I was just trying to exclude him. We have literally never ate together, fam. And then that was kind of the end of that. But I didn't think it was a... A beef thing, it just was kind of like laughing at the time. You ain't give me a plate? I'm like, we don't even eat together, man. What? I ain't your wife. You know, that kind of thing. And he was like, all right, I see how it is. And I'm laughing like this dude crazy. And then me and Aunt went to eat. So the next day, I walked into the office, the same office where they both work. And I said, what up to Aunt like I always do? He was like, what's up, kid? And I said, what's up to Duke? <laughs> and he was like, nah, don't touch me. And I was like, What? He's like, nah, it's all good. So I was like, you, you, you serious? Because we was all cool. I'm like, what is, what's this energy? And even Ant and everybody else there looked surprised. And he was like, nah, you ain't give me a fucking plate. <laughs> like, wait a minute, yo. I ain't know which to be more shocked by. The fact that he's dead serious about being upset that I didn't get him a plate. Or that he really felt like I should have got him a plate in the first place. <laughs> I didn't know which was the bigger offense here. But either way, I was like, this is ridiculous. You can't be serious. And he's looking at me like, I'm dead serious, yo. So I'm like, you hurt over a plate of food? You, How can you even justify this? Like, what kind of relationship did you think we had? So he like, yo, if I was you, I would stop talking. Now, I've matured a lot since then, but at that time, he wasn't really going to talk to me like that. <laughs> especially in front of people, and especially not at a job where they wasn't paying me enough to stand here and let you talk to me like that. So I told him, listen, man, if you this kind of mad, like, cool, we don't have to speak again, but you're not going Talk to me like this over the fact that I didn't bring you a plate. Matter of fact, you ain't going to talk to me like this over anything. And he's like, it's whatever you want to do. And he gets out of his chair. And I'm like, all right, now you out your chair. I got to go into strike mode. But I'm not stupid enough to swing on you at work. You're going to have to swing on me in here. I'm not going, you know what I mean? I'm not going to put myself in that position at the same time I'm a man. A man is a man, right? So I'm like, listen, 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 listen. There's a lot of people in here. It's getting wild. 
bro, if you, like, really on it like that, we could go across the street because there used to be this little alleyway across the street from where we worked, where we would always go to kind of just kick it. So I said, we go to the alley, and nobody at work got to know. We ain't got to do this at work. You got a kid. Why are you jumping up trying to fight me at work? He was so mad that he's like, bet, let's go. Well, I can't offer it to him and not go now. <laughs> so we go into the alley. So Ann is like, nah, y'all got to relax. It ain't that serious. I said, I know. But, hey, I'm going to hurt this man, and then I'm going to come back to work, and no one's going to know it happened. So let's go do what we got to do. And so I take off, and now I'm walking, and we get to the elevator. And the way the elevator was, a lot of celebrities, and that's where everybody would come in at. That was like the main entrance. So there's cameras everywhere. It's a really nice area. And I press the button on the elevator. And he's somewhere walking behind me because I walk really fast because I've always remember what my dad told me. You never give somebody your back in a potential situation where a fight might happen. So I didn't I had to give him my back because I had to walk out. So I walked fast enough to where I would he would have had to run. Now I heard the footsteps. Now I gave him the elbow juice. But I hit the button on the elevator. I start taking my little jewelry off to go across the alley to have a showdown at work. That's how stupid this is. And as soon as I go to get on the elevator, he pushes the door open and rushes me. Right where the cameras and everything are. He tries to, like, I don't know what he tried to do. He tried to, like, grab me. I grab him back, throw him off me. What are you doing? Get off me. And I'm at this point, I'm like, all right, I guess we about to get it right here. Because it was a little, little, you know, little scuffle. Nobody hit nobody. Nobody swung. But it was a little, get off me. Get off me. <laughs> and kind of slammed him against the wall a little bit. He got off me and he went back his way. But the problem was now this confrontation, however small, happened on camera. That's not my fault. It's on the camera. <laughs> I tried to tell his dumb ass, let's go to the alley so no one gets in trouble. I don't want to see you get fired. I just want to lump you up a little bit. So, of course, word gets around of what happened, and they have cameras. And somebody came to me and was like, if you had all smart, you'd get ahead of it and just go tell your boss what happened. So I did. I was like, yo, you're going to see something on the camera, you're going to hear some people, this is what happened. And he was like, Mo, this is going to be a problem. I said, I'm aware, but honestly, I don't know what else you wanted me to do. I would never, you know, cause that kind of conflict at work. That's not me. That's not my style. I'm the most professional person you will ever meet. That was corny to me. But literally, this man rushed me over a plate of food. But the way life is, you nobody's really hearing that. They're just looking at you as the guy who got into a little scuffle at work. But thank God my boss knew my character, and he actually went and checked the tapes, and he saw exactly what I explained. And so ultimately, what ended up happening was... I think they told me don't come to work for a couple days, but nothing really happened. But they ended up letting him go. Somehow that was my fault. He called everybody at the job and was like, Mo offered me to a fight and then told on me when I tried to fight him. (laughs) And I'm like, fam, that's not what happened. But of course, a lie gets all the way around the world before the truth can even put his sneakers on. I once heard Charlemagne say, 
That's exactly what happened. He told the Breakfast Club, he told everybody. They went on air and told the story the way he told it. Everybody looked at me funny. I became public enemy number one. I was hated, and I knew I no longer had this connection of anyone or anybody there simply because this man did some snake shit over a plate of food that I wasn't supposed to make for him in the first place. I ain't your wife. But anybody mad at me. I did something crazy. I tried to make sure we both still had a job. But whatever. Time to go. Should have known then. But I was procrastinating. And anytime you do that, sometimes God put his foot in your ass. And that's what he did. I kept making those comedic videos. And eventually I went to my boss and I asked him about a little bit of a promotion. Been three years here. I've never been in any kind of trouble. I've done my thing. I've done my job to my best ability in which the job is better now. Worked my way into having a whole, a whole office and everything, which is kind of funny because the, when I got the office, I got the office because I was demoted, <laughs> which was weird. It was like, hey, we're bringing in a new guy, even though you've been here two years and the old guy left, but we're going to give him the promotion and not you. We're going to demote you, but, but we're going to give you the office. Right? That's good, right? And I took the shit because I didn't have a choice, but the office ended up being in the department that was next to the comedy department. So it worked out in my favor because that's how I met Spruce. That's God. When I thought that they were trying to play me, which they were, it ended up working in my favor. Because ultimately I met Spruce and I did the comedy thing. And once I asked for the promotion, shortly after, I was let go. On Valentine's Day... Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> then iHeart started having its own struggles. And so did I. Just struggling artist. But I kept doing comedy. And eventually that comedy was what led me to get in the interview with Bert. I meet Bert and really the rest is history. You hear me on the Bert show, a lot of you. You hear me here and in the moment. In the beginning, the Burt Show was like one of the hardest things I'd ever done, to be honest. I'd never done radio before, wasn't familiar with it. I'd never really been in a room full of white people before and had to be such a voice. Wasn't sure what I could say, what I couldn't say. Couldn't really relate to a lot of the topics, a lot of the content. It was a fish out of water, man. Wasn't used to hearing so many people have opinions about you that don't know you. People telling me they missed the guy that was there before me. People telling me I suck. I don't talk enough. Oh, I'm not the guy. I dealt with all kind of shit. Racial comments. All types of stuff. It was everything I asked for, but I was not nearly as prepared for it as I thought I was. But I did it. Woke up every day, went to work, did it. Some days I went home angry. Some days I went home crying. Some days I just went home and was lost. Didn't know what the fuck to do. But I woke up every day and I came back. Sometimes I felt like I was being hated on. Wasn't sure where the hate was coming from. I was honestly trying to just be a genuine person, man. Trying not to step on no toes. Trying to figure out this whole radio industry. Trying to just do my thing. Keep my head down. Go home. But I faced a lot. I learned a lot. That's the way it goes. Pretty much in any profession. And radio just happens to be one where if you're going to learn on a job, you're going to do it in front of a whole lot of people. And a whole lot of people are going to have a lot to say. They expect you to walk in and be amazing at your job. Day one. They don't even expect that shit at McDonald's. They don't expect your first burger flip to be the greatest burger flip they've ever seen. If you ain't never flipped a burger, 
how the fuck that's going to happen? But somehow on radio, they thought I was going to be Tom Joyner out the gate. <laughs> how many people didn't truly, like, can honestly say they started on a top morning show, their very first day in radio? How many black people can say that their first experience in radio was on a show where there was no other black people? It's not always topics you're going to relate to. It's not always things where you're going to know what they're talking about. But I got up every day and I tried to figure this shit out. If for no other reason so I could tell everybody who was doubting me and telling me that I sucked. Hey, you're fucking wrong. I've just never done it. It's like anything else in life, man. Sometimes it's not hard. You've just never done it. Stop being so hard on yourself. Leave that for everybody else. They're going to do that. You just stay focused. Continue to believe in yourself through it all. Stay persistent and things will eventually start to be a little more clear, make a little more sense and things will slow down. You can settle into your place and do your thing. And that's what I'm attempting to do every day. And eventually I started to do in the moment with Duke. That didn't work out. And so I would have Blake on. I would have Katie on. I would have my friends on. I would have whomever on. And a lot of those times were great. That's when I got into the groove, and eventually, Bert convinced me that I didn't really need anybody on the pod. I had the ability to do it on my own. The podcast is on Pioneer. A lot of you guys have voted for the podcast. The podcast became top 50. I appreciate y'all. And I still remember when I was sitting on that bench with Ash. And I had a podcast called Keep the Change. Shout out to Vanessa and Mike. I think we had 20 listeners. That was a lot to me at that time. And they were frustrated with that. They felt like we should have more, but I knew in time, in time. And sometime that time seemed like forever, y'all. And a day. Trust me, I know. But I just kept pushing, man. I knew I had something to say, and I knew the people would appreciate it whenever I got to say it. And even today, it's the same thing. Honestly, it's no different. I don't feel like I've made it or accomplished anything. Just another step. Got a few more than 20 listeners, I can tell you that. But I ain't got 20 million yet. That's where we going. Because win, lose, or draw, I'm a comedian. Yeah, I was pissed when they was shitting on my name on The Breakfast Club. And at the time, I was sitting in the mailroom listening to that. Hurt. So I thought they were my friends. I thought it, these are dudes I kicked it with, partied with. And I ain't do nothing to that dude, but he just got his story out first. Because he knew he should have. I wasn't trying to get no story out. If anything, I wasn't going to tell anybody. I don't move like that. It's corny to me. I was trying to forget it happened. I didn't want it to happen in the first place. He was also my friend. That was unnecessary, bro. We don't even eat together. Over a plate of food. The irony of how it all takes care of itself sometimes. When you just let it play out, you keep your head in the game, and you continue to do the right thing, even when it feels like it's not doing anything for you. So as I continue to grow with a lot of you on the bird show, on in the moment, continue to figure it out. It's a journey that's still going. It's not close to over. And I'm not close to where I want to be.
just getting better every day and still believing that I can do so much more regardless of my circumstances. A lot of things have changed since I was on that bench looking for a mentor. My mind has changed. My financial situation has changed. How much time is in a day has changed. My age has certainly changed. I'm tired and my bones hurt. My relationships, my friendships, everything. Name it. It's only one thing that truly didn't. My faith. It's the same exact thing. I'm the greatest. I knew that before I said I was. That's just what I believe, and that should be what you believe, too, in whatever it is you do. So, yeah, it hurt. That day, Irv and them was in the studio, and they ain't listened to my music, and they made me go home feeling like I wasn't good enough. Feeling like I wasn't who I thought I was. All to go through so much more than what I've told you, but a lot of what I told you, to eventually end up in that room with Irv Gotti again. This time at his mansion in Atlanta. He's telling me all the stories. Mad stories. Stories I wish I could repeat here, but I can't. Stories about all your favorite rappers, your favorite R&B personalities, all of them. Athletes, LeBron, Chris Brown, all of them are in there, man. I got the juice on it. I try to get them to talk about it in the interview whenever it happens. But eventually, as I sat in that room, I was sitting there the whole time thinking to myself, holy shit. Who would have thunk it? (laughs) Ever thought I would be right back here with an opportunity to showcase my music again, but that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what I did. And you know what happened? Rock the room. That's what happened. Shut it down in there and got our music on the soundtrack of Tales. BET series produced by none other than Irv Gotti. A little bit of faith, a little bit of fight. Fight over the right things, like yourself, your dreams, your family. Not over a plate of fucking food. It all comes together the way it's supposed to, man. I say all of that to say it's just a piece of my journey, but it's a lot of the more significant moments of my life and definitely four of the most inspirational moments of my life. I try to come on this platform as much as I can and make you laugh, make you think, and also inspire you to be whomever it is you want to be and to do whatever it is you want to do. Because it's all I know how to do, and it's what helped me. And there were times in my life when that sentence that Steve Harvey gave me was life-changing. What Tracy Morgan told me helped me go to another level in life. Jay-Z walking into the room got me to walk into rooms that I never thought I would be in. And if they can do those things for me, then I can only hope to do the same for others. Eventually, I found my love for music again, and I learned that you don't have to have one love. Reconnected with my man Case Money, we started 1901 all over again, and that's a whole nother story of which I'm going to have to give y'all a four-part series about at some point because it's just as significant, just as crazy, and it's epic. But until then... As always, I appreciate y'all being in the moment with me. It's been a pleasure to be in the moment with you. I love y'all. Y'all be good. Next week, bitches. So I wrote Steve Harvey a letter. Slid it in his DM. Got it to him any way that I could. 
Because I had to tell him about the moment. When I asked him to be my mentor and he turned me down, and it's wild because we were talking about how you had to try to find a mentor that was doing what you wanted to do. And then here I am. I end up doing comedy. I'm in radio. I'm hosting a game show. I mean, can it be any more Steve Harvey Jr. than that? No, it can't. And so I reached out again. Yeah. Same way I reached out to Jay because I had to tell him about the moment that I used to have with his moms at work with my grandma and then him walking into the room, jumped in his DMs too. Yeah. Same way I reached out to Tracy on the set of Coming to America too to tell him how his words changed my life and I had some words that might help him change his. I said, yeah. You know what they all said back to me? You guessed it. Nothing. Not a damn thing. I'm trying to restore the feeling. Same one that you killing. Said your fresh prints in effect. I was chilling. Trying to give a Jada her will, but she ain't willing. Days before August, I wrote this while on vacation. Thinking about the dimes and time that we just wasted. We could be embracing, escaping what we've been facing. Yet it seems a phone is the only thing that I'm facing. Now I'm all alone in the zone, pacing. Case of being in something that you can catch a case in. Uh, who the hell am I chasing? Mask on way before Rona, you was Jason. Hate you double hockey, you knew the shit all along. Thought it was right, hated that I was wrong. Yeah, and they'll say that I'm in my feelings, I'll own it Because I'm grown, it'll make me feel like I'm feeling in this yeah. I said yeah, yeah, yeah. Critical condition, yeah I don't know if we'll repair this bond We both gotta wanna fix it, yeah it's like all my tools is gone and all I got are these hoes End of the night when I'm all alone I'm reflecting in the dark with half of this bottle pole I could probably steal they hearts this summer but mine is cold No matter how I try hiding it, everything will show down It's heavy when you all in the storm I could be petty, get frustrated, put your call on ignore I already told you ain't nobody else and I'm sure But these trust issues got you wondering about it more I just wish you see that I've been with you from the start From East 24 First, scratching roaches on the floor. $900 a month that I couldn't afford. I stuck by your side, help you reach for the stars tonight. 